What's going on, guys? Welcome to Looking Ahead to Better Days. I am your host, Chris. Last night was a big night. Um, we had our second debate. Beto went on for the first night, and he was concise. He was respectful. He was smooth. He answered all of his questions in the allotted time. Um, he made some really, really good points, specifically about um, reparations and um, on tariffs and how tariffs are really just attacks on the people. Beto was really, really, really strong. Um, obviously, it, it was is a little bit easy to improve from his first appearance. You know, you shake the cobwebs off. Last night was a big night. Um, there's, I'm not a really big fan of how CNN ran it and their format. They, the, the the candidates talked all over each other. It was just, it's a mess. There's too many people on the stage. Um, I'm really looking for the debates coming in September that are uh, there's going to be less people on stage um it'll be easier for for candidates to have their moments and for them to easily shine um and as usual the mainstream media is is overlooking a lot of what's really going on and and how popular and how big some of the things Beto said were um i'm not going to go into too much detail because one we're waiting for the debate tonight and then um we're going to do a special episode next week's episode will actually deal with um beto's veterans policy but after that we're going to bring out a special episode about the um the second debates how they we how they went um, i'm going to be bringing back dan golden as well as um hannah and i'm going to see if i can get ashley back as well and we can have a, a, a good discussion about the debates and be a little bit objective given some of the things that we saw. Um, the one big thing that um, I noticed was there was a major focus on Medicare and the, the argument between Medicare for all and then, you know, uh, being able to keep your private insurance or Beto's plan, Medicare for America. Um, I, again, I'm not going to weigh in too much on that, but I, I, as somebody who has private insurance, um, I believe everybody should be covered, but I don't want to give up my private insurance. And a lot of Americans feel that way, that they, they, you know, I don't want the government dictating what I'm doing. If you could, if you need somebody who needs it and they need help, by all means, go help them, but don't take away from me. Um, so that's what you see a lot of as far as that debate. Now, um, today's discussion is about immigration. We're going to be discussing Beto's immigration policy, which is really his bread and, bread and butter. He's from the border. Um, he, he lives and breathes immigration because that's you know what his life is in El Paso. A wide variety of immigrants. It makes he he talks about how much stronger it makes them. They're all bilingual. It's a really really great community. I don't have a lot of experience in that. I'm I'm on the coast. We while I do have a, a vast majority of people who come through um, Virginia and specifically my area. My area is extremely diverse. Um, in Hampton Roads, it, the the illegal immigration question isn't something that comes up all the time here. So it's not something I have 
um, firsthand experience on it. So the guest that I'm bringing on it is, uh, she, she is, has worked with immigration and immigration offices and writing immigration, um, blogs. It's, it's really good stuff. But before we get into that, I want to dive into Beto's, um, immigration policy that he put out. It was one of the earlier, um, I believe one of his earlier, uh, policies, um, because it is so important, um, to him. Um, so as usual, I'm going to first start us with a Beto quote. We can either be governed by fear, fear of immigrants, fear of Muslims, call the press the enemy of the people, tear kids away from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border, or we can be governed by our ambitions and our aspirations and our desire to make the most of all of us. And that's America at its best. We're a country of immigrants. Nobody, unless you are Native American, was born here excuse me, or, or, or it's originally from here. That's a better way of putting it. You know, obviously there are those of us who are born here, but speaking more plainly, like we're not, none of us are from North America. We, we, we're all, we're all immigrants. We're all descended from immigrants, period. And if the door would have been shut on them, we wouldn't be here today. Um, and you, you see a lot of, a lot of the focus on the Southern border, but Illegal immigrants come in or people immigrate illegally through all over the country, mostly through ports of entry. And it's not just Mexicans from Mexico or Latinos from coming through Mexico. That's an extremely huge misnomer. Right. And one thing I want to get um, out there first and foremost is the term illegals. Um, I heard, I cannot remember who I want to say it might've been Amy Klobuchar, but don't quote me on that. Um, she said, or someone, like I said, someone said, um, the term illegals is a slur. No, nobody is illegal. Like no person is illegal. Acts are illegal, but a person is not illegal. And by using the term illegals, you are denigrating an entire group of people or denigrating that person. So let's throw that out there. Um, I know Republicans tried to, to defend that. I saw a lot of that coming through, um, them pushing back on that narrative, but they're wrong. Um, they're, they're wrong. It is, it is definitely become, it, ha, it has a negative con- connotation. So um, Beto's immigration plan is broken down into three points, and I'm going to go ahead and go through those, those with you. Uh, Beto's plan, which would represent the most sweeping rewrites of our nation's immigration and naturalization laws in a generation, is built on three key pillars. On day one of his presidency, Beto will use executive authority to stop the inhumane treatment of children, reunite families that have been separated, reform our asylum system, rescind the travel bans and remove the fear of deportation for deep or deportation for dreamers and beneficiaries of programs like TPS. Number two, Beto will also immediately engage with Congress to enact legislation focused on the key role families and communities play that will allow America to fully harness the power of economic growth and opportunity that both immigration and naturalization will bring to our country's future. Number three, Finally, Beto's plan would strengthen our partnership with neighbors in in the Western Hemisphere. We need to refocus on supporting democracy and human rights and invest in reducing violence because the only path in regional security runs through a more democratic and prosperous Latin America. First, we're going to get into the uh, ending the cruel and cynical policies that create chaos at our borders and our communities on, on day one. 
Beto will ensure lawful and humane conditions at U.S. Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, facilities, including access to medical treatment, mental health care, social workers, and translators, restore orderly and prompt processing of people seeking refuge under our nation's asylum laws. People who are coming here are coming for a reason. They come here because they see us as the best of the best, and when they get here, we prove that we're not. We need to hold people accountable, and for what's going on at our border right now, they really need to be held accountable. We need to fix those issues. These are very simple things. That's something that everybody should be, I mean, like medical treatment and mental health care. Like, come on. Like, I, I understand that they, they, they may ha- not have followed the status quo of how they wanted, how the, how the kid in because they couldn't, but there's still people at the end of the day. He wants to rescind the current administration's executive orders that seek to maximize detention and deportation, including former Attorney General Sessions' radical reinterpretation of asylum law that seeks to deny protection to women and children fleeing domestic violence escaping from deadly gangs. He wants to mandate an end to family separation, which is just a no-brainer in the first place, um, and at the borders and illegal policies like metering and remain in Mexico, basically specifically speaking to He's making asylum seekers seekers wait in Mexico for months, and or the um, Trump administration is making um, people wait in Mexico for months on end. He wants to is, issue an executive order to require detention only for those with criminal backgrounds, eliminate all funding for private uh, for private for profit prison operators whose incentive incentive is profit and not security. I can't understand and do not understand how private prisons and things and for-profit prisons are a thing. Like that, you shouldn't be able to to capitalize off of off of such things. It's it's just uh, that's an egre- it's egregious to me. Who's to ensure that people have the tools to navigate our immigration court system by scaling up community-based cro- programs and family case management? A lot of times, a lot of people. Uh, immigrants who come here fumble through the immigration court system because they don't understand what's happening and that that gets taken advantage of. You know, we have small children as young as three years old defend, trying to sitting in a court in a court proceeding. They don't know what the fuck's going on. Like seriously, they're a child. I mean, like, cut on Sesame Street and you'll have their full attention, but, you know, you start talking to them about law and how they broke the law and questioning, they have no clue what's happening. I tell my I, I tell my son not to pull the leaves off the plant all the time. I mean, granted, he's nine months old, not three months old, but you can guarantee there's going to be some as young as him in, in a court system. If, 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 uh, if our history right now is showing us anything... He he immediately crawls back over and pulls the pulls leaves off. He doesn't know any better. It becomes a game to him. He is a child who is developing. It's just it's it's just ridiculous to me that that that's even a thing in this country. Ugh. He wants to reinstate the Central American Minors Program, allowing children with parents in the U.S. to apply for refu- refugee status from their home countries. That way, a lot of the paperwork and everything's done ahead of time. He wants to take immediate steps to upgrade and increase staffing in the asylum systems, streamline how cases move through the process, and provide timely and fair asylum decisions while laying the foundation for a more fundamental reform to sorry, you guys know I flip pages while, while we do this so I can be as specific as possible, to the immigration court system that restores due process and ensures equal access to justice including by increasing court staff, clerks, interpreters, and judges, making the courts independent under Article 1, 
ending policies that prevent judges from managing their dockets in the most effective way, expanding the legal orientation program, the LOP, um, to ensure that everyone knows how to navigate our immigration system, deploying up to 2,000 lawyers to the border and funding a robust bust right to counsel, developing approaches to resolve asylum cases outside of the court system, rescinding the discriminatory travel bans, which is absolutely ridiculous, and I can't believe in my lifetime I have seen this country ban an entire group of people from coming here. A Muslim ban? Are you kidding me? That screams racist. Like, and if you can't understand why that's, like, just absolutely wrong I, I i got nothing for it it's just it's ridiculous um immediately removing the fear of deportation for dreamers and their parents in temporary protected status and deferred enforced departure beneficiaries begin and begin work to towards a permanent legal uh, legislative solution so i've heard stories and i'm not going to go into specifics just because you know i don't I'm not going to get anybody in trouble because, you know, I mean, it, it, the way I've heard stories or a story where somebody had walked through the desert with their one month old to get here for months and months and months because they had heard that America had opportunities for her child, for her to be somebody. The same reason every person who's ever come to America has come to America for a better life. And he was told this child is is here was on DACA. He was a DACA kid, um, or excuse me, he wasn't a, a he was about to be a DACA kid because he was told to wait till he was sixteen. Three months from his sixteenth birthday, when he was going to go and register for DACA, he had uh, DACA was rescinded by President Trump. The one thing that he saw as his opportunity and his way in was taken from him. And now they live in fear of being deported. That is not America. That is not what we should be, who we should be. We should be better than that. We were taking things from children, children who had no choice in coming here. They they they, They didn't break the law. They should be given a chance. No child should live in fear that they're going to have everything they've ever known taken from them. Um, and, and to add a little bit more credence to um, to Beto, as far as the you know what needs to be done legally, he is on the border. Asylum seekers wait months and months and months. I mean, there was somebody who was waiting six months. And we know this because Beto went went down there and was meeting with asylum seekers who had been trapped for months that that's that's not fair it, it, it's it's scare tactics and, and that is happening right now it's, it's scary you know they're being detained in somewhere almost as just as dangerous as the where they were fleeing you know families are being being separated there was a girl who who was 18 and had to get trapped or stuck in mexico and the rest of her family went on without her because she couldn't go with them he wants to refocus on smart security, immediately halt work on the border wall. As he said, uh, it doesn't work. B- walls walls don't do anything but hurt us in the long run. And his first budget and every budget will include $0 for this unnecessary wall. 
It'll immediately boost staffing to expand inspections, reduce wait times, and increase our capacity to detect illicit drugs. And he wants to modernize our ports. He immediately prioritizes the crack, uh, cracking down on smugglers and traffickers who exploit children and families by working with our regional partners. So the reason he doesn't want to get rid of 1325 is because it, he, there needs to be some kind of criminal action for those who come over here with nefarious with nefarious or come up or come to America with nefarious um, plans. And it, it's not that, that 1325 doesn't just affect the border. It affects immigration as a whole. That's from other countries, China, anything right. That who, who I mean even human trafficking and, and stuff like that, not just drugs, but he doesn't want to charge to, he's not going to use it to separate families. He wants a policy of if you come here the right way, we're going to bring you in and we're going to do it as fast as possible. We're going to give you your opportunity. We're going to make a path for you that a path that has never been available. And that's, what's going to make it better, but we still need to hold those bad actors accountable for the things that they do. And we've got to protect ourselves. It's simple. It's as simple as that 1325. And without it at this point would create at least the, image of open borders he wants to strengthen our families communities and economy by rewriting our immigration laws in our own image to create an earned pathway to citizenship for 11 million undocumented people that is more that is more efficient than previous proposals includes an immediate path for dreamers and beneficiaries of programs like the temporary protected status and deferred enforcement departure programs. He wants uh, to reunite immigrant families uh, separated by lengthy visa backlogs, revise preference categories and caps to prioritize family unity, and, and remove bars to reentry and status adjustments to support families. Wants to establish a new first-of-its-kind community-based visa category, community sponsorship of visas, supplements, uh, supplement the U.S. Refugee Admissions Program. He wants to increase the visa cap so that we match our economic opportunities and needs for work, education, investment, and innovation. So ensure that industries that depend on immigrant, immigrant labor have access to a program that allows workers to legally come here and legally return to their home country with appropriate labor and mobility protections. That happens in other countries. Like, why is that not a thing here? And like, why was that such a such a big deal on the border? If somebody wants to come here and work a job that other people don't want to work, which is is what's happening, they're not coming here and taking people's jobs. They're working jobs that nobody really wants to work. And 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 and, and we're just shitting on them for it, you know, trying to throw them out of our country, you know, so to speak. Um, if, if there's no reason they shouldn't be able to come here legally and return home and still have a job. I just, that doesn't make sense to me. Like you, if you change countries, you're, you're, it just, it makes no sense. Um, he wants, wants to address the green card backlog and provide opportunities for those awaiting resolution to work and contribute, which while immediately recapturing the over 300,000 green cards that have gone unused due, due to bureaucratic delays to support our high growth industry of the industries of the future. He wants to promote STEM education by granting foreign-born students more flexibility to stay in the U.S. and gain employment after graduating, allow foreign-born entrepreneurs and U.S. patent holders the chance to stay in the United States to grow their business, create jobs, and raise families that will go on to enrich our country, 
make naturalization easier for the nearly 9 million immigrants who are currently eligible for citizenship, makes naturalization for, for free for all who meet the legal requirements for citizenship, eliminates application backlogs, reforms the application process so that individuals are mailed a pre-filled application form as soon as they meet the legal requirements for citizenship, increases legal services funding for those who need it, establishes equal treatment of all citizens, bolster security and functionality of the border where trade and travel occur, increasing personnel, strengthening infrastructure, and addressing failures, ensuring that we remain ensuring that we remain a nation of laws by addressing visa overstays through better tracking of and notification to visa holders and fully harmonizing our entry exit systems with Mexico and, and Canada, which I, I wouldn't see why we're not doing in the first place. If we're giving somebody a green card or visa to come work here, shouldn't we be, you know, following up? Only makes sense. Um, he wants to ensure transparency and accountability in law enforcement, create an independent border oversight commission, an ombudsman, O-M-B-U-T-S-M-A-N. I have never seen that word before. Um, and uh, Border Community Liaison Office. I know a lot of things, guys. I do not know everything. That is not a word I had, had seen before. Uh, create a uniform process for tracking and preventing migrant deaths along the border. And increase ac- accountability from ICE and CBP personnel. Improve training and continued education courses. Uh, recently, they had that Facebook group that came out with all the, uh, the ICE employees. Um, who were in there um, called use I mean racial slurs, homophobic stuff. It's just it was real, real nasty. That's why they they uh, they need that accountability. He wants to restore our standing and ensuring regional security by being a partner for prosperity and security in Latin America. Um, in the 1800s, there was something called the um, Monroe Doctrine, which basically made America the the big brother of all of the western hemisphere and what we've done with that is we have systematically fucked up the entire western hemisphere you know how many um leaders have we deposed i mean mexico in the 1910s had many leaders a lot of them were assassinated by the u.s um like we've had our fingers in everything but you know we didn't exactly wash our hands before we did it um so we we've really dropped the ball with helping keep these guys up, but we've done a really good job of setting them back. Um, he wants to join with the people of the Northern Triangle to fight violence and poverty and bolster our shared security and prosperity. He wants to convene a new and improved partnership for prosperity and security by calling upon our allies and friends across the Americas to form a regional alliance dedicated to creating stability and economic prosperity across the continent, beginning in the most precarious of countries. And everybody should be involved. We are all members of the Western hem- uh, Hemisphere. Investing $5 billion in the region primarily through non-governmental organizations, community groups such as municipal crime prevention committees, and congregations and public-private partnerships, um, while galvanizing new financial support from Canada, Mexico, and other international partners, and transforming the development approach that these resources advance by, supporting community-based violence prevention strategies and encouraging an end-militarized public security in the global war on drugs, Promoting democratic infrastructure, labor rights, civil rights, and human rights. Supporting the growth of all of small-scale farming and access to markets. Providing agricultural technical support to increase ad- ad- adapta- adaptation. Sorry, I promise you guys I can speak to climate change and improve the use of natural resources. Elevating job, training, and educational opportunities for youth. Strengthening strategies to address the specific needs of women and girls. 
improving access to health care, clean air, and clean water, and supporting adoption of crop insurance and catastrophic insurance, especially as a powerful tool in the face of a changing climate. If we can hold everybody up, if we can lift the rest of the Western Hemisphere up to where we are at, the Western Hemisphere can very, very quickly become even stronger than what they have in Europe which is at this point in time not that strong but they've you know an alliance that that's built on mutual help and help helping bolster everybody in it it, it it could go a long way and it could fix a lot of stuff with uh, immigration you know people won't be coming in droves if they, if they don't have to leave in the first place if there's opportunity at home he wants to address systematic impunity corruption and weak institutions wants to strengthen Mexico and Latin America's capacity to contribute to regional security by supporting the United Nations refugee agencies, work in the development of strong asylum and refugee protection systems in Mexico and across the region to manage migration flows from the Northern Tri- Triangle, specifically by working with UNHCR to expand the capacity of Mexico's refugee system and to collaborate with Mexico and asylum seekers who are both traveling to and through Mexico and launching a regional resettlement initiative, including building a safe and comprehensive repatriation and reintegration program. If that seems like I just went through a whole lot, it's because I did. His immigration policy is 13 pages long. It is comprehensive and it is brilliant. Now we've gone through all of it. I've done a little bit of assessment. Now let's have a really good discussion about immigration. So for today's discussion, we're going to be talking about immigration. And to do so, I'm bringing on a special guest. I'm bringing on Shireen Kalan. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Shireen. I am going to be a law student in two weeks from now and planning to go to social justice. Um, and I've been a Beto supporter since the Senate campaign. And I actually used to work for a boss... Um, my former boss was an immigration attorney, and so I used to write blogs for her on immigration topics, and that's really where I started getting such an interest in immigration um, and what's going on at the border. And, um, yeah, that's me. That's, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, no, I, interesting um, sidebar. My cousin is taking the bar tomorrow. She oh, just graduated from the University of... Um, south carolina in may so oh, wow yeah awesome. i'm glad it's really not na- say what wish her good luck for me oh yeah i will do abs i will absolutely do that all i know is that she has been in a book since pretty much you know she graduated law school yeah. but <laughs> so I've heard. I've heard yeah it's intense, but... yeah and you don't mean camping um <laughs> badoom dooms uh so before we get started in our discussion, I'm going to let um, our, Shireen is going to tell us her why. Um, she's a Beto supporter, and I want her to tell us why Beto for her. So, Shireen, why Beto? So, I've actually, like I said, I've been a uh, supporter since the Senate campaign. I think what drew me originally to him is the uh, no outside money whatsoever. Um, and that's what I've been wanting to see in a politician for so long, especially at the national level. And So finally, a candidate to actually take no outside money whatsoever. And I think most of all, or as much as that, I think what really drew him is when I saw him for the first time in mid-October, I 
saw how he said, like, he drew in Republicans. He didn't slam anybody. He didn't slam Democrats, Independents, or Republicans, but he drew people in. He talked about the topics. And for me at that time, I was actually considering going, moving to Canada for law school. And then Beto brought me that hope for America. And so I think that he just brings this sense of hope. He tells it how it is, but he brings this sense of hope to so many people. And he gave Texans hope that we could switch we could uh, turn blue for the first time in decades. And he's just, he's a politician unlike any other that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I can agree with that. I was kind of in the same boat where I was kind of like just withdrawn and dejected. And like, I, I mean, I've told my wife a million times, can we, we can move to Canada, right? Like we can <laughs> just go. You know, I've, I've got a nine month old and she's like, no, I, would, I don't think we can just pick up and like take him and go to Canada. It's not how it works. I was like, but yeah. I want to go so bad. Uh, but yeah. Need- the people here to fight because if we lose the people who are fighting and so involved in politics then there's going to be nobody left to fight for this country so it's so important for all of us to stay in this moment as much as hard as it is oh 100 oh, percent um you know not everybody's going to have the ability to just pack up and go somewhere else Definitely. and and that they need all of us here fighting that good fight and i'm I'm glad that, you know, there's so many, because it's like 102,000 um, Beto volunteers. You know, he's just at, yeah. raised an obscene amount of money in Oklahoma, which is really, oh, wow. really cool. Yeah, he, he, it was, awesome. he, had, he, had, he raised the most money in Oklahoma as opposed to any of the other candidates, oh uh, God, at least the Democrats. It was like $27,000 or something like that, which is, seems oh, like wow. a small number. But if you look at everybody else's, it's, a, it's still a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, that is amazing. And he can really switch these uh, states, not only Texas, but Oklahoma, Tennessee. I mean, what he did in Texas is nothing short of a miracle. Oh, yeah. He's a um, my cousin, like who I was talking about. She went to school at the University of South Carolina and she worked with the Gullah Geechee people. Um, she oh. actually she was on the podcast for the voting rights. She's the one who talked about going and meeting the, the Gullah, Gullah Geechee people. Oh, Nobody awesome. goes and sees them. Mm-hmm. Like he's he went and saw them like he sought them out so that's mm-hmm. really really cool that he so, goes outside of his realm yeah um, to learn definitely and just like in texas i mean he could have gone to like austin dallas houston el paso san antonio just stuck with the blue places but the fact that he went to every single county no matter how red or blue they were he went and talked to them and i mean There's so few politicians who I could ever, I couldn't even list another one who has done that, who just reaches out to every single person, no matter who they voted for, no matter if they voted before. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody's ever done that before. (laughs) Period. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of dedication. Yeah. But all right. But but all right, we're going to jump right into our uh, discussion and... Immigration is in this country is a is a huge topic. It's it's very front and center right now, especially with the detention camps, all of the just absolute garbage that uh, Donald Trump is spewing outside of you know pretty much everything else he does in his life um, ever. Um, but we didn't just all of a sudden have immigration policies, and you know Texas was originally who is always the the focal point of immigration. It's it, you never hear them talk about Canada. It's always the southern border. When I mean, for the most part, most of the stuff that comes in that they they say they that is quote unquote bad comes at real ports of entry or from Canada. It's not as much from um, the southern border, at least to my understanding. But that border is always 
Texas was its own country, is the Republic of Texas. Then they they were annexed by America. But I just I don't. When did we start enforcing the the border law? Like the border laws on that particular border? Like is it relatively recent? Did we just automatically say, oh, by the way, you have to have you know all of this documentation documentation to come into America now that um, that Texas is part of America? Like what what kind of uh, background information can you give us on that? So I'm not exactly sure when we started deporting people. I know 1325 came in in 1929, which is when we started criminalizing people. Um, But this goes back to actually the 1800s when there were politicians in America who demanded a literacy test uh, for migrants who were especially coming from Eastern and Southern Europe. Um, So this is a centuries old uh, issue and it's been really, it's been a really, um, I guess, I don't want to say made up issue, but it's been a very racially charged issue and it's been an issue that's been completely dramatized, I would say, or exaggerated um, to the point that just like Beto says, if, Immigration is our only problem. It's the best possible problem to have. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I didn't know that uh, that 1325 came from um, from that far back. It seemed very, very recent, at least in the way that they talk about it. It's funny that's in in 1929 um, because um, America did its best to absolutely destroy the Mexican government in the 19 teens. Um, I mean, like we had we had Mexican leaders assassinated, put it in the ones that we want, and all sorts of stuff um, down there like during that time and Mexico is actually kind of plays a big part in world war one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if that like impacted, you know, 1325 coming up in 1929, but it's very interesting. Um, I didn't know about the literacy test either. That's, that's, that's fascinating. But since, since we're on 1325, um, that's been very much in the news. I had never heard of it. Um, personally, I'm in Virginia. So going on on the border don't, don't get here that often that we that we hear about it in such uh, um, a massive extent as opposed to now that it's all over the news um what exactly is 1325 uh criminalizing like because it's just all people because i know better wants to keep it which is which I understand because that's what makes um, he, he's basically creating an open arms policy. Like if you come and do things the right way, you're more than welcome to come as opposed to keeping saying, you know, you can't come. We're going to set a quota. or We're going to try to keep you guys out, which forces people who are afraid and want better for their family to come here illegally. Um, so like what, what exactly is 1325? So 1325 is a law that came into place in 1929. Um, It basically criminalizes coming into the U.S. undocumented. And it began... um, It began from... So prior to 1929, there wasn't really much of an issue about immigration. Many people, um, especially from Mexico... So actually, it was Asians who were first banned from coming to the U.S. And it was basically Western Europeans who were allowed to come. Um, And so Asians started, uh, there was a huge fear that Asians would come through Mexico to the U.S. And so that's when they started deporting people in numbers. And 
Uh, this was around 1925 and then 1929 when 1325 came to be. And it's basically saying that if you come into the U.S. undocumented, then you could be prosecuted against. So prior to that, they just deported people. And it's from uh, about 1965, actually, until present, until 2000. It was used very little. Um, the Clinton administration were senior um, administrations prior to that. They didn't really prosecute against people too much. It wasn't until uh, George W. Bush came into power when he started deporting. Uh, deporting and prosecuting people a lot more and Obama and of course Trump has made it to include child separation. The whole debate about 1325 is about whether we should prosecute people or whether we should just deport them and I mean there's two things to this is number one that if you this isn't you have to add in extra about asylum because these people who are coming from Honduras and Guatemala and escaping deathly situations this getting rid of 1325 is not going to automatically allow them in. It could deport them as they're coming into the U.S. And secondly, while I was writing blogs for my former boss, I read about these people, and this happens more often than I could say, but so these, there's, it's especially people trying to take advantage of the poor who will go to countries like India and different countries who will go to the poorest villages and talk to the most vulnerable people there, which are usually poor mothers who are trying to do well for their children. And they'll tell them that, look, if you come with me to the U.S., I'll make you wealthy within a month. And so they come with them, trusting them, and they come into the U.S. And many times they're often sold into sex trafficking or labor trafficking or homeless. Um... And so if we get rid of 1325, that would allow these people to come into the U.S. without being prosecuted. And the border is a very safe place, but uh, in any place where there's land and there's people, there's going to be crime. Oh, 100%. 1325 would just make sure that people are prosecuted. And it can be rewritten in the way that Beto says that we rewrite the laws so that it doesn't include child separation. And oh, yeah. It doesn't include inhumane conditions at any detention center. Oh, yeah. One, 100%. I think we can pretty much anybody can agree that the, the, the conditions there are pretty much uh, shit at this point and it shouldn't be happening in the first place. And that's, that's a good point because he's not trying to arrest the people who are coming here uh, uh, legally. And that was part of the debate. You know, Julian Castro kind of like jumped down his throat saying, you, you know, you want to detain children. This is what caused, you know, the de- ch- child de- de- detainment. And that's, that's how this happened. We've got to get rid of of that but the flip side to that and what the unintended consequence that i've seen from that is it's pretty much chum in the waters for republicans who say see democrats want open borders they want they want crime they want all this to come here which isn't true but it, yeah. it it creates that that facade that you know they want open borders and that's why beto's plan is so so good he's not going to prosecute people who are trying to come here or or coming here for asylum or tr- coming here for a better life for their kids because you know that's what pretty much anybody who's an american or lives in this country is not from here unless you were specifically native american uh, right my, my yeah. family immigrated from um i mean my great great great-grandfather immigrated from russia 
through Yugoslavia to get all the way over here at, I think he was eight years old. He came here in 1908. We had a letter that his, um, his sister wrote back home describing the Statue of Liberty. Like, that is what America is. That is what America should be. And what we're getting right now is child entertainment. Definitely. I mean... And it's, it's so tragic. And people who come to this country, nobody deserves to be treated in that way. And just for, I mean, children who are months old or... I mean, even just in their teenage years, nobody, no matter what age they are, deserves to be treated like that. And then especially to be separated from their parents, that too, and not knowing whether they would ever see their parents again. And I actually, so I saw Beto at his Austin rally a few weeks ago, right after the debate. And Hmm. he sold these stories, which brought me to tears about how children are, I mean, babies aren't even allowed to have diapers these children are uh, taking care of babies who aren't even related to them. And these children, they're uh, separated into groups. And if they pass each other, siblings in these groups aren't even allowed to look at each other, much less talk to each other. Otherwise, they'll be beaten up by these uh, CBP guards. And so it just, I mean, it brought me to tears listening to him say that. And just that... I mean, people could allow this to happen or Donald Trump could even be okay with this happening. I just, it's, uh, it's, I mean, something needs to change and we can't wait until 2021. We need to change this. Yes, this needs to be get done right now. I mean, the detainment of children should have been enough for impeachment proceedings if you didn't have, you know, the whole the the russia thing so to speak not to to use his language but you know he's an idiot so um but the 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 detainment of children i didn't know that like i i i didn't know i knew there were children taking care of other children um um i didn't know about them being moved in groups and it it's just so far from my my brain is something that's possible that we could do this and this is being done in our name i haven't like i, I have a 9 month old there's not a thing on this planet that I wouldn't do for that kid. Um, I mean, like, the, they're, they're not fleeing. Um, it's, it's not like they're just, you know, showing up here. They're fleeing poverty and, and just almost certain death or being put into to gangs. They're, they're coming here for freedom just to be thrown in a cage. Like, they, they, they know that's happening, and the cage in many cases seems like the better option than being at home. Like I, I, I would try to escape to Canada if that was what was going on here. And if I had to cross there illegally and that was what I needed to do for my son, I would do it. And I can guarantee you there's not a person on this planet who wouldn't do something like that for their kids. And I think that's something that's getting forgotten here. Uh, it, we're, we're definitely losing the human element of this, especially with the way that he describes these people and children as you know was rapists and criminals and i mean he i think he's referred to them as animals it's just absolutely abysmal and to call Um, them an infestation and i mean that's what you would call mice not human beings uh, exactly and we have all this stuff going on in baltimore it's just it's really disturbing language um in general um but they 
the Obama administration tried to do something to to fix that, and that was DACA. And DACA stands for, for those of us who don't know, and I didn't know this until today, um, DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, um, which basically, you know, kids that were born on or after June 16, 1981, arrived to the United States before age 16 and have lived in the U.S. since June 15, um, 2007. Um, they're eligible for work authorization in the United States and protection from deportation for two years while and it was supposed to be for two years while they fixed the immigration law, which they haven't done. Um, but I, I guess in the, the Obama um, administration, um, you know, they had the, uh, you know, they had Mitch McConnell. He, he pretty much kept everything down. Um, since he had been in charge and he is, I mean, I, he's almost to me, Mitch McConnell is much worse than Donald Trump, um, because he's been doing it much longer and he, he is allowed for Trump, um, for, for DACA to work, they had to come up with, um, they, they would have needed to come up with that immigration law. How do we, how do we help the children, the, the DACA recipients right now? How, how are we working on efforts to actually make them citizens, which is how they should be seen, Right, they were brought here by their parents, and they didn't have a choice. So, how do how do we fix that? Like, how are we going to help them moving forward? I think that I, I don't think Trump will do anything to possibly help them, and especially with a divided Congress, I think it's going to be very tough. And especially with how radical the Republican Senate has gone in, um, I think that we could begin to enact legislation and begin to especially make a pathway for citizenship for these people. And that includes rewriting immigration laws, as Beto said. Um, And we have to acknowledge that these people are Americans. Um, They're just as American as you or me. And I think that we need to create a pathway so that they don't have any fear of deportation. And yeah, I think that um, goes back to rewriting immigration laws. Yeah. We, the, the immigration, that seems to be kind of uh, the, the route to a lot of the issues is we just, we haven't created a good immigration policy. We've, we've created band-aids and band-aids and band-aids, and we just keep pulling one band-aid off to put on another band-aid. Um, which is, I mean, that's I, as far as I can say, that's how we ended up with Trump right now, being able to do some of what he's done. Because obviously, he's he's exploited the the law to his to he's twisted it to his own ways, which has obviously um, led to you know child detainment, um, the Dreamers having. I mean, these were kids that were they they're Americans. They 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 were they were here for the American dream, and he took it away from them. Definitely. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times, especially when it comes to national level politicians, many think short term. So like what they can get done in four years. Um, But we don't really think about a long term. And I think that's a big thing that's come down to immigration is that we haven't really had a president to look or any leader really to look long term on what we can do to help migrants. And I think that that's what I love about Beto's policies is he's looking long-term, but also I think that 
just with all of this, if we had gotten a leader in place to help migrants, I mean, as much as I love Obama, he was not the best uh, when it came to immigration. He wasn't nearly as awful as Trump, but he wasn't the best. And Bill Clinton and George Bush and presidents prior have been, nobody's really helped migrants. People have been, I feel like, kind of against them or kind of forgotten about migrants. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. So I think the step for DACA is for these uh, politicians to actually, first off, remember that migrants are people too. And dreamers have been in here since they were young kids. They're Americans. Um, and so for, I think the first step is to actually care about migrants and then to enact legislation that will be able to pass both sides of Congress because we need, I mean, we can't, the House can't pass legislation on their own. They need the Senate. Um, exactly. So to pass something that will be able to pass both. And that, that's that's an interesting point. Like migrants have definitely been forgotten. I don't remember immigration really being an issue as, as terms of like when you think of immigration being an issue, it's usually the southern border. Now, like we, there are spots in history. There was the St. Louis incident with um, during uh, World War Two with the Jewish refugees being refused to the uh, to the United States. You know, eventually ending up in back in England or in the Netherlands when and the the refugees that ended up in the Netherlands subsequently died. Um, you know, there's been prejudices against the Irish and the um, the uh, the Italians and just all sorts of different groups. Um, you know, poor classes coming here that will work. You know, whatever job that they can get, um, but it hasn't been as like I feel like this whole focus on the on the southern border has just been being hammered to death for the last almost 20 years and i just i it, it's almost like it came out of nowhere and why all of a sudden are we paying attention to that is it just a talking point for politicians I think like it is it is, something that they can say i think it is definitely a talking point and especially when it comes to race relations and the fact that i mean just as trump said i think he made a statement several months ago that was it Norway is the safest country in the world? And of course he would say that because it's in Western Europe um, mm -hmm. where the majority of the population is white. And so I feel like most of when we talk about immigration in the past 20, 30 years, we're always focusing on countries where the majority of the population is not white. And I think that these radical politicians have used that to incite fear in people. In many ways, and that's how Trump won. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And it's been just definitely a manufactured point, uh, manufactured issue at this point. I don't. I mean, from my research that I did on blogs, I there's nothing that if we, I guess, got rid of thirteen twenty five today, I don't think it would make such a difference like i mean in terms of most of the a high majority of the immigrants who are coming in are coming in for asylum or refugees or i went to el paso in march and so many people there are just coming across a border to uh start their business or go to utap or so on so we don't have the issue that people claim we do about immigration 
Well, yeah. Well, when you have people like Steve Bannon and and Donald Trump Jr. coming down there to just blow up bullshit, that you know, yeah, <laughs> it's like you, you're in, they're inflating a problem that doesn't actually exist. And you know, every time Trump is in trouble, there seems to be a new caravan that's coming on on here. And um, one of the things that gets missed here is that that are the countries that these that the people are fleeing to get here. And the responsibility that the United States has in creating the conditions that exist in a lot of uh, those places in the Western Hemisphere, um, in um, during James Monroe's administration, a lot of people don't actually know this. It's called the Monroe Doctrine, but um, is actually written by John Quincy Adams. It was it was his brainchild. It was just a small quip in a uh, in a speech. Yeah, um, I'm a middle school sixth uh, sixth grade U.S. social studies teacher. That oh, is something I actually learned um, teaching. Um, it's true. a it's I, I, it, it's fascinating because you know he was president. Quincy Adams was um, vice president. And he or excuse me, he was secretary of state. Uh, came up with the policy, and that's how it went. And it was this whole idea that we kind of you know we're going to keep. Uh, it was a warning to Europe to stay out of the Western Hemisphere. You know, we kind of saw ourselves as the guardians, and we completely dropped the ball because we've gone into these countries and just basically fucked up their governments and said, you yeah, know, well, good luck. So when the governments fall into chaos, their people try to come to us. And then we say, well, we don't really want you guys here, so we're going to leave you on the other side of that border. Good luck. Or we're going to deport you. Or we're going to throw you in jail. Or... Um, we're going to take your children from you, throw your children in jail, basically torture them, give them no kind of support. And, you know, that's how we're going to do these things. That's like, that isn't even close to the basis of, um, of like what we even stand for. Um, and that's, that's part of, of Beto's plan too. Part of Beto's plan is us doing a better job of going to those places and being the leader in our hemisphere because we are. Like that's a job we should be we should be doing. Like, if if you were the if you had Beto's ear and you wanted to talk to him about what we can do in the Western Hemisphere, like where where do we start with fixing helping fix the countries that are here so that the problem doesn't exist in the first place that these people are fleeing from? I think that we first need to focus on. There's so much corruption in Western Hemisphere, especially when it comes to gangs and violence. And so we think we need to focus on, and this is a long-term thing. This isn't going to happen from Beto's four or eight years. This is going to happen in 30, 40 years. Uh, but focusing on how to, what strategies we can get to get that corruption out um, of those countries. And then also, I think his plan is so great on this, on... Uh, the Northern Triangle and what we can do. And it's going to come to really just, first off, accepting um, those people who are coming up to us looking for safety from the conditions that they escaped. And conditions, in a lot of cases, created by the United States. I mean, like, how many leaders have we ousted? I, I think was Panama was one. Um, Venezuela is the only, or at least was, I'm not sure if it still is, the only, like, socialist communist country in the Western Hemisphere. Oh, sorry, sorry I forgot about Cuba. That's a big one to forget. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's one of only two um, in, a, in a situation like that, and we've seen what's been going on there. Right, so... 
Definitely. Um, it's going to take, uh, it's going to take quite a bit of planning, I think. And just like you said, like we're the cause of so much. And I think we need to, we need to be able to make a like long-term plan on, and I think what I've seen so often, and this is across all issues is that a president will come in and they'll do their four to eight years. And then another president will come in and scrap what that last person did and then do their four to eight years. And they'll just be a cycle of that. So I think we need to somehow be able to make a long-term goal of, fixing what we are doing wrong in the western hemisphere and that needs to happen not just with our next president or president o'rourke um but yeah yeah the vote, president vote after, better 2020 <laughs> the president after and the president after that and after that um all these men and women who are in our future our our future president sorry um need to be able to work on that goal of um, being able to do what whatever we can with the, uh, to fix what's going on in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, and and you hit on a really really good point um, about politicians just undoing what other politicians have done before them, like the prior president just completely just throwing out whatever they did. Which you, you're seeing Trump do. If if Obama's name was on it, he's undone it just because it had Obama's name on it. We need a level of bipartisanship there. Um, if you look at presidents back to um, uh, George Herbert Walker, he um, he was Republican. We've done Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. And it, it's like they're almost trying to completely redo what they're, the, the person before them has done. And that lack of bipartisanship has really hurt um, immigration. Um, I think the last back-to-back in, of two parties was Reagan to um, Herbert Walker. And that just, nobody's working together. It's gotten to the point where it's so bad now that they can't do anything. Definitely. And I think, especially with immigration, it's just been in a downward spiral for so long that, I mean, I think Trump is a breaking point of this whole system. Um, well, he definitely shows the weaknesses in it. Definitely. And it goes back to, there was a case, uh, Scott Warren in Arizona, and he was arrested for passing out water bottles. And that actually goes back to Clinton and then just got uh, for about the migrants entering into the Arizona desert and then it got worse under Bush and then worse under Obama and now with Trump. Um, So we've just seen this incredibly downward spiral when it comes to immigration and each president seems to be getting worse and undoing what the last one has done. And that's across the board for all issues. I mean, with healthcare um, and with so many different issues. And that's that's what I really love about Beto's policies is it seems like he's trying to take what we have and improve upon them instead of removing everything that we have and then starting off new. And I feel like if we can have more presidents step up and say that, look, this is exactly what we have with immigration. Let's fix what we have and let's plan for the next president and the next president and the next five presidents from here on and see what we can do to help them succeed uh especially when it comes to immigration 
I completely agree. I think there needs to be more work in being done in the lame duck period too. Um, from when the the election is the next president's elected to inauguration of actually preparing that president and like them kind of working together and saying, "Hey, this is what we've done. Um, there are ways to improve it," as opposed to you know what we've been getting, which is them undoing things. Um, bipartisanship is just is 100 percent needed that's that's why political parties exist like nobody has the best idea and i think that especially under trump's political climate it's so much that democrats don't want to work with republicans republicans don't want to work with democrats and both sides are blaming the other um for not getting anything done so i think that at some point we need to come together and say look we're on opposing parties but we all want the same goal we all want to do what's best for americans and for our constituents so let's put aside party line and let's work on this together and i just i don't see that on any level like i don't see that in my own city council or in the texas senate or house or in uh, our u.s congress senate or house and definitely not with trump as president um and so I think that at some point we need to we need to vote in leaders who will be like fuck political parties. Let's um, let's work on getting what's right for Americans. Yeah, that's one hundred percent correct. Um, in fact, George Washington warned against political parties. That was that was part of his uh, his exit speech. This is one of the precedents that he set. Was you know political parties are bad. Um, and that, you know, that's the beauty of our, of our constitution, the way it's worked. It was originally written to be thrown out every so often and completely rewritten in a new government, um, set up, but we did ours so well, I guess, um, you know, that, you know, we've done shitty things in the past, but we've been able to change them through amendments. And we usually have a good, in some cases we have a good foundation or we have, um, precedent that's there that we can use and twist that, but people aren't doing that. Um, so we've mentioned Beto's policy a, a number of times, and this thing is it is really comprehensive of the uh, the policies that he has out. Um, I believe immigration is the longest. Uh, I'm not I don't, don't remember the, the exact page number on um, climate change, but you can tell that immigration is is his. That's his baby. That's what he knows. And being from the border, that makes sense. So like. What what kind of things is Beto's policy? What does it get right? Like, does it get anything wrong? Like, what? How do you feel about his policy as somebody who really knows immigration? So I read through his policy a couple of times um, in the past few months and was able to read again today. I was actually going to print it out for this, and it was thirteen pages long, which is actually so amazing to see. Um, such detailed policies and he gets down exactly how he's going to do this um, what he'll do as president what the long-term goals are and I think that's one thing that I'm really just loving about all of his policies is just he gets it such in detail and I love how especially with this immigration one how this isn't a policy that's so far left that it, it won't be able to pass a divided Congress. I think this is a very reasonably moderate policy, which will help migrants in so many different ways. Um, and also be able to, many of these uh, policy points in his policy would be able to easily pass a divided Congress. Um, but I think there's just 
there's not much honestly that i found was wrong with the policy i, I didn't i didn't i didn't find anything wrong with it either i think i think it's like super i think his, all of his policies are really really concise like they're great they're so comprehensive yeah definitely i was just reading through his policy the other day on lgbtq rights and it the one on reproductive rights and it's just i mean his policies are so detailed and it's just it's incredible that he's got so many points and he knows what he's talking about he knows what he's doing um and he's, he's done his homework yeah <laughs> definitely i like to use that one a lot it's fun because you know you can, you're gonna call the guy out who has like pages and pages of policy plan who's ta- like literally built us off of people right and you see him doing it and you're gonna tell him he, he's not doing his homework definitely. and i've it's actually, not a good look julian castro i know i've actually done uh so i'm actually doing these elections voting uh for a president differently this year so i'm doing my research on every candidate and uh, began in December and so I did the most on Beto because I wanted to know who I was supporting and his experience regarding immigration from city council and house is just incredible and I mean like you said he's doing his homework on yeah. all of that and he has done his homework throughout house and city council and just to see that he doesn't pick up stances um, all of his work his he wrote and co-sponsored uh, a bill to protect dreamers and so he says his work proves that he's not just saying something, he's actually going to do that. And that's what yeah. I see in this immigration bill is that knowing like what he's done in house, I know that these aren't just bullet points on a website. This is actually things that he will do. And I've never been able to say this about any politician, but after doing my research, I actually trust Beto to do exactly what he's talking about yeah no me too i don't i don't trust politicians at at all because they'll they'll tell you they they all have a plan definitely until they're elected and then that plan doesn't exist anymore (laughs) um which i mean like in some cases i kind of get like you have to be kind of kind of central like because you have to be able to work with both parties if you want to get stuff done but like beto is coming out of the gate already already set up to like be successful in all of that yeah, definitely. And that's what I found. I read through a majority of his votes, and he actually wrote blog posts on Medium for pretty much a high majority of all of his votes. And so to read exactly why he voted for something, it wasn't, obviously, he hasn't taken PAC, he didn't take PAC money. Um, no. So it was actually to vote for something or to write a bill because that's what his constituents needed and that's what Americans needed. Um, and so to know that how much he did in house um i really truly believe that he's going to do everything he says not only in this bill but in all of his policies and and i think especially when it comes to especially immigration and veterans which are his top two uh his top two uh issues that he worked on um while in house and all of the others as well um and he's been protecting LGBTQ rights since city council. And so I think he's going to he's going to make a great president. I, I completely agree. He's, he's running a uh, he's running a campaign where everyone counts. It's not just, you know, I mean, it, it, you can't even take it as like it, it's just that every American counts. It's literally 
every single person counts. And that's what we need in politics right now. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, you are you I, I i immigration is not something i know very well like i said i'm from virginia so to have somebody come on that just that knows their stuff and you know i learn a lot doing this podcast i've learned a lot about different groups of people and it's really actually better has helped me become a better person weirdly um just by you know how he he carries himself but also in these policies because i've learned a lot about different groups of people um but yeah, thank you for coming on. Oh, Thanks thank for coming so and hanging out. Thank you so much um, for having me on. I well, anytime, anytime you want to come back on. If there's something that you want to, you feel that you want to talk about, you are more than welcome to shoot me a message and say, "Hey, can I get five minutes?" Because I I really feel passionately about something. I want to make a point, and I will I will definitely make sure you get that ground. But oh, for right thank now. You. Oh, absolutely. Um, guys, the, for, for our listeners, we've got to keep donating. We've got to, got to keep, um, uh, you know, volunteering. We've got to get the word about Beto out there. Obviously, he inspires a lot of people, but we got to make sure that keeps going on and we can keep it through 2020, move that right on to 2024. And, you know, why not 2028? Let's let's just let's let's keep the party going for eight years yeah. um, <laughs> for now. I'm your host, Chris. Let's uh, keep on looking ahead to Beto days.